0: Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama of four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm here with Doreen. Doreen Solosi, PhD, earned her BS degree in animal science in 2002, which will make you feel old. I graduated two years after that in high school (laughs) Um, from the University of Rhode Island and her PhD in pathobiology from Brown University in 2007. While at Brown, her research focused on lymphocyte, apoptosis, I'm like, oh, I got to think about this (laughs) word, and immunosuppression in sepsis. After earning her PhD, Dr. Salosi fell in love with teaching and began teaching undergraduates at Dean College in Massachusetts and pre-health majors in Quantipiac University in Hamden, Connecticut, before joining USJ's pharmacy program in 2010 as a founding faculty member. Woo! That's a whole lot of education. Um, I'm actually working on, um, my goal is to have a PhD in psychology. uh, Oh, awesome. I I started on that journey a little bit later in life. Uh, I'm 34 (laughs) right now and I'll probably be like 40 before that. That's all right, that's all right. Um, So we're here to talk about vaccines. Yeah. First, I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself. What got you into science and research and all the fun things? Like we don't, uh, I don't think I've ever talked to um, someone who is in the same career field that you're in. So if you just wanna share a brief background and how you got into this, um, that would be great. Yeah, definitely. So um,
1: I, I actually always liked science. I had a really awesome science teacher in high school Um, and I always grew up with animals, so I always thought I would be a veterinarian. Um, and so I did go to the University of Rhode Island to major in animal science to be a veterinarian. Um, and along the way I decided, you know, I'm not sure if clinical is really for me. I don't know if I would want to do the surgery or, you know, if I could emotionally deal with, you know, sick animals, um. But I, I've always been interested in infectious disease and how our bodies respond to infectious disease. So, um, so research was, you know, kind of always in my in my mind. So, um, so when I graduated from URI, I applied to Brown um, in the pathobiology program. Um, pathobiology being the study of disease mechanisms, and they had a a track that um, was, you know, an immunology and infectious disease track. So that's what I ended up. Um, doing when I got to Providence, and I worked in Rhode Island Hospital in a lab um, that studied the immune response and sepsis. So, you know, was there for five years, Um, and then my son was born right around the time I graduated, so every time I think about how long I've been out of graduate school, I think about how old he is, and, (laughs) and that does make me feel old, yes.
0: Yeah. No, I under, I understand. I have a daughter who is getting ready to graduate high school this year. Oh. And I'm just like, oh, I am that old, but not that old. I had her at a very young age, like, yeah, like doing the math in their head. And I'm, I was a very young mom. Um, but yes. still, I'm just like, oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Been around for a while. Um, That's right. So, uh, last year, Actually, in 2019 it started, but last year um, it really hit in the United States was COVID. And yeah. we've been living with this for a, like a year now. Yeah. Um, I think I found uh, an article that said the first documented documented death from COVID was February 6th of 2020. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're coming up on a year of the first yeah. documented death um, from COVID. I say documented because now they think it was here sooner, but just wasn't Possible. caught. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, so we waited what seemed like forever for a vaccine, but it was really fast in vaccine time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's making people really hesitant to mm-hmm. get it, um, yeah. which is sad because this is one of the ways that we can almost eradicate like COVID, you know? Yeah. Um, and can help us combat it. Less people will die, less people will be hospitalized. Right now our hospitals are at capacity in many places, over capacity in many places. I know um, I live in Southeastern Connecticut and um, our hospital is, I mean, my daughter went to the ER because she was like having issues with throwing up blood and they were just like, follow up with your doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. <laughs> they just don't have the capacity to like do all the things they normally would do if you came in throwing up blood. Um, they have That's to exactly decide, right. yeah, they have to decide what, what is imminent, like what needs to be done right now and what can it be taken care of in a couple days. Mm-hmm. You know? It's, it's kind of scary. It's um, scary. First, I would love for you to tell us what is an mRNA Vaccine. We've briefly yeah. talked about it on the podcast before. I've had an epidemiologist named Katie Saleta on the podcast, and she, we've three times now, and we've talked about COVID, um, and she talked to us a little bit about the vaccine, but we didn't go into depth um, because that's really not her wheelhouse as an epidemiologist. So, what is it? What is the mRNA vaccine?
1: Yeah. So, as I'm sure tr- she said, mRNA stands for messenger RNA, and so this is a nucleic acid that our body uses to make proteins. Um, and so, normally in our own cells, um, we make mRNA from our DNA, and that's what expresses our our genetic um, you know information. And so, this really kind of u- utilizes that same process. And so. Um, we are taking the sequence of the spike protein from the virus and we're encapsulating it in a, in a nanoparticle because n- nucleic acids are very unstable and we need some some something to protect it when we, we inject it into the muscle. So it's injected into the muscle. Um, those lipid nanoparticles help it get into, um, into our cells, particularly our muscle cells. Um, the mRNA comes out of those protective particles, and we have these uh, organelles within our cells called ribosomes. And these are like little protein factories. So the ribosomes are able to read this mRNA and make the viral spike. Um, And we're basically giving ourselves uh, the sequence of the viral spike that we would like the immune system to produce antibodies against. Um, so our immune system sees the spike protein that is, that is made, um, by our cells. And it's, it's kind of like putting up a wanted poster. It's showing the immune system. This is, this is what we want you to look for. Um, so our immune system mounts a response, um, antibodies are produced. We have T cells that, that also kick into action so that the next time, if you are exposed to real SARS-CoV-2, your immune system is already primed to, uh, to help uh, get rid of it before you actually get sick and have symptoms.
0: Yeah, and um, this is a lot different than vaccines previously, but Back- yes. vaccines previously gave you a, a little bit of the, the actual virus. Right. I
1: mean, yeah, so conventional be- vaccines, right, you, in, in, in general, usually use some sort of either killed or weakened pathogen, um, and, and there's, they work in, in, in a lot of cases, there's some problems with, with that. Um, obviously, they c- it can take a, a really long time to grow enough pathogen needed to make these vaccines. Um, and of course, if it's a live vaccine, it's, it's not quite as safe, right? You're, right. Um, you're showing the immune system you know, that, that actual pathogen. So these vaccines, these mRNA vaccines um, are actually a lot cheaper to make They're quicker to make. Um, We can scale them up quicker for manufacturing. And of course they're safer because we're not giving the actual pathogen.
0: Yeah, so I've seen, I have a issue with reading comments on social media. (laughs) Same. (laughs) You know, and I've seen a lot of uh, misinformation where people are like, oh, this is gonna cause cancer. This is gonna mutate our cells, like all of this. but mRNA vaccines have been studied for years. This is not new yeah, right absolutely. so
1: mRNA technology has been actually studied for decades. so the first time um, the first report of in vitro or um, you know putting RNA actually into a, actually in vivo in an animal um, was about thirty years ago in mice um, and looking to see if you know the protein was uh, expressed so so this has been going on for decades. This wasn't something that was, you know, just thought up last January. Um, and so, yeah, mRNA vaccine technology in particular has, has been a thing um, for a while now. Uh, Moderna actually was created a, about a decade ago, particularly for this, for this reason, um, you know, to utilize um, mRNA technology for things like influenza vaccines, Zika, rabies, And even against non-infectious diseases like cancer for immunotherapy. So, so it's not new. Um, You know, they've actually been studying mRNA vaccines in people. I think their first uh, trial was in 2015. So, you know, this this isn't a new thing. Um, The other great thing about you know RNA is that it's not infectious and it's non integrating. So, like you said, with you know a lot of the misinformation, people thinking this is going to you know, integrate into our cells and, you know, cause mutations, it, it biologically, biologically cannot do that. Um, our RNA cannot integrate into DNA.
0: I think a lot of people missed uh, bio class uh, <laughs> and definitely didn't take a college bio class because I'm, you're talking about organelles and ribosomes, like yes, yes. <laughs> I remember, you know, like in the beginning of my undergraduate, learning all about this. Right, right. Yeah, so it comes back probably, you
1: know, um, and, you know, it's it's really kind of fascinating and, you know, awesome how the stars kind of align for, you know, this to come to fruition in, in just about a year.
0: Yeah, so with that being said how did this happen so fast? Now, I guess we're not calling our operation warp speed anymore because Biden was like, that was, that was inaccurate. (laughs) Probably not the best terminology. correct? but, um, yeah, it happened so quickly. And that's another reason people are so hesitant to get the vaccine. They're like, oh, they didn't do all their studies. Clarify that for us because From what I know they did every phase of the studies. That's correct and so you know when you think about the
1: quickest vaccine that ever came out which was the mumps vaccine this was it that was in the 1960s and it was four years so you know this is you know 50, 60, 70 years later it it seems logical that with our technology that we have at our disposal now that that a year could be possible And so a lot of people like to say, this is rushed, this is rushed. Um, I like to change that, you know, to quicker than normal, um, which is not a bad thing. Um, So one of the good things that uh, came from this was that we did have research on SARS-CoV, which was the infection that, um, you know, the first severe coronavirus infection from 2002 to 2004. Now SARS-CoV and SARS-CoV-2 share about 84 to 85% of their genetic material. So they're very similar. So a lot of the research that was done 15, 16, 17 years ago was able to be picked back up. So a lot of that kind of preclinical work, um, you know, having sequenced the spike protein and having a great idea of what it looks like really kind of gave them a, a early lead on, you know, how to get going with, you know, basically just plugging in the sequence and saying like, okay, we want the immune system to create antibodies against this piece of the spike protein. Um, so that saved time. And that was, you know, kind of, a, a, again, a, a good thing that, that happened. Um, and as I said before, mRNA technology has been studied for, for decades now, and, you know, we're getting really good at being able to figure out You know, again, if we have the sequence, let's just plug it in. You know, we have these lipid nanoparticles that have also been studied for a very long time, um, you know, to use as a drug delivery system and get it into the body. Um, You know, other things that kind of, that that helped was having money at, you know, at the disposal and really kind of probably all the hands on deck um, since this was such a high priority and everybody, you know, working on this Probably around the clock to, to get this done. So yeah, I think, you know, um, you know, as you said, all all of the things that needed to happen did happen and, and you know I think we're fortunate in that we have this now to try to get it into as many arms as
0: possible. I'm ready. Whenever yeah. Same. Want theirs? Like you just give it to me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was just like, I, you know, I, I live in Connecticut, and I'm like, mm-hmm. when they're ready to give it to me, I am prepared to take it. Um, yeah. In Connecticut, we're doing really well. Um, the last
1: thing I saw is that we have about six percent of our population vaccinated. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, there was a New York Times article that said we were in the top ten for states yes. who are actually distributing the vaccine. Yep. So it's, it's, it's happening quickly, maybe not as quickly as people would like, but it's happening quickly. We will get there. Absolutely. Yeah. So like you said, everything aligned, right? This is decades Mm -hmm. of research that came together to create this. That's why it happened so fast, fast. And we went through phase one, phase two, phase three trials, uh, tens of thousands of people were, you know, were part of the trials, um, so right. this is not like, oh, just a couple of people were tested. We're talking about, and, and all this information is available at our fingertips. We, they, Pfizer is. and Moderna, Moderna have released this information. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, both of them have come up with two vaccines that are, they have the same technology. They're just slightly different, okay. um, but they work the same way. And yes. so I wouldn't say one is better than the other. They both have like a very, very high rate of, you know, like, oh, I forgot what the rate's called, but like, <laughs> they work really well. <laughs> yeah. There were, yeah. Efficacy. Yeah. Efficacy. There, that was the yeah. <laughs> word. <laughs> so, I mean, we're talking, and, and, and from what Katie Sleda said on the podcast, these are some vaccines that have the si- highest rate of efficacy. Yeah. All the vaccines we have. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really good. We, we had a lot of smart individuals working on this, a lot of talented individuals able. And like you said, money, like governments across the world were throwing money at these vaccines to get them done.
1: Right.
0: So it, all this, uh, like you said, all the stars aligned for us to, did. to create these, these vaccines. Um. So does the, quickness impact their safety? People are concerned because, you know, they always talk about, a lot of anti-vaxxers talk about, um, and I wouldn't say the COVID people are necessarily anti-vaxxers, they're, yeah. you know, they're vaccine hesitant, they're, mm-hmm. you know, but um, that a lot of the vaccines have a lot of different stuff in them, they're not completely safe. Um, what, what would you say about the COVID vaccines? Yeah, so so every indication
1: appears now, you know, that they're safe. And I think a lot of us were, you know, even those of us kind of in the field were a little bit skeptical, you know, maybe last April or May when they were saying like, "Hey, 12 to 18 months, we might have this vaccine." And we're like, "Wait a minute, is that, you know, is that possible?" Um, you know, and so you know, again, with, with all the things, you know, that kind of led up to this. Um, once we had those phase three trials and we're able to read those. You know, Pfizer had 43,000 people in their phase three trial. Moderna had 30,000. And if you figure, you know, in each of those groups, about half of those folks actually received the vaccine. You know, by November, you know, tens of thousands of people had already received, you know, a vaccine, you know, whether they be one or the other, um, with similar, I guess, side effect profiles and efficacy profiles. So, kind of taking those two things together. I think that kind of made even more, you know, sense that like, okay, they're, you know, these are two separate trials and they're finding very similar things. Um, So that to me was very reassuring, Um, you know, and again, did the the quickness impact the safety? Uh, You know, I don't think so because, you know, what we saw in the phase three trials was, is super promising. And now that millions of people have received the vaccine in uh, one or the other, you know, it's, even more promising and that should be giving us even more um, confidence you know and um, what they found in both of those trials, side effects wise, um, most common, pretty much most people ex- you know uh, complained of maybe a ejection site pain for a couple of days that seemed to resolve you know within a week. Um, you know other common things headaches, fever, maybe body aches, and those can absolutely be attributed to the immune response. And that really just tells us that it's, that it's working, that our immune, re- you know, our immune system is seeing this foreign protein and producing a response to it. So that is actually encouraging. Um, and again, all of those types of systemic reactions you know, seem to go away within a day or two. Um, and most people I've talked to now who have received it have just said like, yeah, my arm hurt for a couple of days and you know, that it went away. So, um, you know, so as far as safety, um, all of the indications, you know, now have been that you know very safe vaccines, both of
0: them. Right. I have at least twenty to thirty friends, um, on Facebook friends, <laughs> social yes. media friends, who have received the vaccine because um, they're in the healthcare field, or um, a couple are high risk, and and where they live, they have reached the high risk population, right? Yes. No compromise. Um, and they said the same thing is, you know, they might have had some fatigue, maybe some injection site pain. Um, the A lot of people, I guess, after the second um, uh, vaccine, a so second dose, uh, they say you should probably take the next day off because you're probably going to feel fatigued. You're probably going to feel a little gross, um, but it usually clears up in a day or two. Yeah, definitely. And that's
1: not unlike um, the Shinrisk vaccine, which is the newer vaccine. Um, Zoster vaccine against shingles. Um, and this is a recombinant vaccine that again gives you a very specific piece of the zoster or the chicken pox virus. Um, and because it's so effective, um, you know, you do have that kind of robust robust immune response to it. So a lot of people do complain of, you know, just fatigue, malaise for a couple of days. Um, so I kind of sort of attribute it to that vaccine. Um, and again, like you said, kind of the second one being kind of like the booster, um, which appears to be needed to get that more robust antibody response.
0: Yeah. So what about the ingredients? Because, um, like I mentioned before, a lot of people are like hesitant about ingredients and vaccines. Um, ironically, most of the people I see that are are vaccine um, hesitant, some of them, that's me putting it nicely, some of them are vaccine hoaxers, Um, aren't anti-vaxxers. So they have been immunized for all the rest of this stuff and so have their children. Interesting. So it is interesting. So that's why I wanna like talk about ingredients and maybe how different those ingredients are compared to previous vaccines. Yeah, so
1: as as far as ingredients, this one actually doesn't have a lot in it. I would actually say it probably has less weird, you know, ingredients that you might not know compared to other ones. Um, So as far as what's in both of them, the main ingredient is the mRNA sequence against that spike protein. Um, They each have four lipids or fats um, that form that protective nanoparticle around the mRNA uh, sequence. Um, Salts which basically uses a buffer to stabilize the pH um, and match the pH in the body. Uh, Sucrose, which is really just a-
0: Sugar? Sugar,
1: um, (laughs) that acts as a cryoprotectant when the the vaccine is frozen uh, to prevent those kind of fats from getting too sticky um, at very cold temperatures. And around, and, and, and I know some people have talked about this, um, with regard to possible uh, allergic reactions, the, those lipids are actually coated with a material known as polyethylene glycol, which we call PEG. Um, and those, that's really to protect the, the lipids or the fats from degradation, protect them from you know, blood proteins from at, uh, attaching, protect the particles from kind of fusing together. So that's really all that's in it.
0: Yeah, that's a lot different than if you put yeah. the ingredients to some of the other vaccines. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so we you you briefly mentioned about people um you know, who shouldn't get the vaccine, mm-hmm. um, who shouldn't, shouldn't get the vaccine. I feel like that information is a mixed bag right now. Um, mm-hmm. like if you have allergies, but what kind of allergies and, you know, it's, 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 uh, really hard to understand. I know one of the things they said is, uh, women who are breastfeeding are pregnant. Not to get it uh children obviously they haven't done any tests on children you know studies on children yet hopefully by the end of this year man i will (laughs) i'm really hoping um but who else shouldn't i have a few facebook friends who are don't want to get it because they're going to try to get pregnant like you know yeah who should should yeah so basically for who should get it um
1: most nearly everybody 18 and up can get the moderna vaccine Uh, The Pfizer vaccine, 16 and up. Um, And again, with, you know, those caveats um, of who can't. So um, actually, it's, I I think it is being recommended that women who are pregnant and lactating can get it. Oh, okay. Yeah, biologically, there's really nothing in the vaccine that should affect um, pregnancy or affect the fetus. Um, But of course, that would be a a discussion and, and a decision that every woman would make with their individual doctor. Um, you know, and again, the reason for that is kind of like risk versus benefits. So, you know, pregnant women are, are, are at a higher risk of severe COVID. So it's like, you know, weighing that, you know, risk of, of, you know, infection to, you know, not a lot of risk with the vaccine, because like we said, there's, there's not too much in it, um, that would affect a pregnancy or a fetus. So again, you know, that, that would just be a conversation with everybody's individual
0: Right. And breastfeeding yeah. might be really good if, if your doctor says so, because I breastfed yeah. my kids and like, when you get sick, you create antibodies, right? Yes. And through the breast milk. So the same, mm-hmm. with the COVID vaccine, you would start to create those antibodies and that would go. Definitely.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Um, as far as allergies are concerned, um, anybody who's allergic to any particular part of the, the vaccine, particularly what we think, uh, you know, some people have reacted to so far is that PEG, that polyethylene glycol that I talked about. So if you have any known reactions to anything in the vaccine, um, those people are probably not going to get it. Um, as far as those anaphylactic reactions are concerned, those seem to be fortunately very rare at this point. Um, so I think the latest figure I saw is for anaphylaxis, um, it's about 11 cases per million shots given. Um, so extremely rare. Um, the thing about anaphylaxis is that, is that it occurs usually within 15 to 20 minutes. It is an immediate reaction. So you know so if you got the vaccine, you know and you stuck around and you know you were monitored for that 15 to 20 minutes, um you know you're probably not going to react in that way to that it's also very treatable so if you were there you know and you had this reaction you could be treated with epinephrine um you know wherever you receive your vaccine
0: right my husband um was getting allergy shots um it's great technology is wonderful like he went in they test him for his allergies and then they create the serum to inject in him to help him build you know, of immunity to, or, you know, tolerance to those, yeah. you know, allergens, and mm-hmm. they would have him sit in their office, um, you know, in case they needed to, and, and he carried an EpiPen, but right, you know, it, so it sounds like it's something very similar. Uh, Definitely. So how long do the vaccines last that we know right now? Because I'm, you know, I don't think we know whether this is gonna be like the flu shot where we have to get it every year yet or what, because it is relatively new.
1: Definitely, so that'll definitely be something interesting to follow, you know, in a year or two years, um, the folks who are participants in, you know, either the phase one, two, three um, studies to see how long their antibody response um, lasts. So it's really hard to kind of say at this point. I think I remember in the Moderna, Phase one trial. Their first vaccines were in March, you know. So, so it'd be interesting to see if those people, you know, a year later still have an antibody response. Um, but what what we know about immunity is, particularly with natural infection, is that antibodies tend to seem to be kind of uh, decreasing within three months. And looking at uh, various studies that have looked at antibody responses you know, folks who've had more severe cases tend to have a more um, robust antibody response than those who had either asymptomatic or a very, you know, uh, light case, if you will, of of COVID. So um, the other interesting thing is that folks who have had SARS, the first SARS from 2002, 2004, um, some of those, a lot of those people still have uh, memory T cells from 17 years ago. Wow. Um, so when we're talking about the immune response, we're talking about antibodies, but also we can't f- forget about T cells because they also kind of help direct an adaptive immune response. Um, as far as the vaccines go, like I said, it'll, it'll be interesting in a year, or two years to see you know what the response still is. Um, you know, looking at the phase three data, comparing. So they compared the immune response of the folks who got the vaccine to the convalescent plasma of folks who had COVID, um, and you know the folks who had, particularly in the dosing studies, when they're looking to see, okay, which dose do we want to give um, to have for the best response? You know, they were getting antibodies with responses that were as good or better um, than folks who had had COVID. Right. Um, so I think that's that's encouraging. That you know, uh, it hopefully in a robust antibody response will last, you know, quite a while. So we can get, you know, most people vaccinated into that herd immunity that we need.
0: Oh, please, please let us get there. Yes. I just <laughs> I know we'll never go back to life as it was pre-COVID, but I just would like to go back to like something beyond something what I'm normal. doing. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. I I work from home, my kids are hybrid, yep. my husband mm-hmm. has to, go to work, but they're all wearing masks and we don't go out and do a whole lot because we want to keep yep. our risk low. So I would really like to just be able to go and do things without like the concern that I'm going to get covid or I'm going to bring it to somebody who might get really sick from. Yeah. That. So Absolutely. I mean cuz I don't think I could live with myself if I was taking like large risk and I bring it to somebody who hospitalized or died from covid. Like I'd right. I don't think, I personally, I, I couldn't live with myself if I didn't do everything I could to prevent yeah. that from happening. Um, but I, from the beginning, I've said, I wonder if it's kind of like chicken pox. So chickenpox, if you had a really mm-hmm. severe case Like you didn't have to worry about reinfection, but my, so I had a really severe case down my throat, in my ears, every crevice, every place, but my sister had a very mild case where she only Mm -hmm. had a couple and she got reinfected. She had a second case of, of chickenpox. So I wonder if it's similar to that.
1: Yeah. And I, that's, you know, one of the, one of the examples I've used in the past is, you know, everybody's immune response is different um, and you know, also I think some of these cases, depending on severity, have to do with, um, you know, we talk a lot about masks and people talk about, do they work, do they not? Um, of course, you're not going to prevent all virus from coming, through your fabric mask, but it can prevent a lot, right? So So there is this idea of, you know very, you know, viral uh, you know particles that you're infected with if you come into contact with a lot of them you know, you might have more severe disease versus if you, you know, have a smaller, um, you know, exposure, maybe it's a, a lighter disease. So, um, so, you know, definitely it, it seems that it's similar to that, you know, with the chickenpox, where, you know, if you had a, a lighter case, you might not have built up as many antibodies as somebody with a more severe case. And then, yeah, we've, we have heard about, you know, some people being infected again.
0: Yeah. And I heard the second, I read an article that the second infection is actually worse than the first infection. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. with COVID, not chickenpox. I don't know. Uh, Chickenpox, I am, I am still, I am still immune to, I had a titer two years ago. Oh, interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm still immune to, and I had the chickenpox when I was like six. So (laughs) we're talking about almost 20 years Right. This was back when we had chicken
1: pox, you know, and you go to school and like, you know, you try to get chicken pox from somebody in your class who just had it. So you could be out of school for two weeks. Yeah. And now we don't have to worry about that because we have vaccines.
0: But now, I mean, with COVID, even if you've had it, like you said, we don't know how long the antibodies last. Some are showing that they only last a little while and then Mm -hmm. you could, you have the chance of getting reinfected and possibly having a much more severe case um yeah. my therapist actually her sister were is an infectious disease nurse and she's now had covid twice oh, um, yeah because she works like she's working straight on with it and yes. no, no matter how many precautions you take there's mm-hmm. still that chance and she, uh, i guess the second time around she it was much worse than the for the first time she had very mild case um, you know, was not out of work very long, um, you know, it, it passed relatively quickly. But the yeah. second case really hit her hard. So um, we do have to be aware, like, just because you've had COVID does not mean you're good right. to go. Right. Or that you don't need the vaccine. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, so So folks who have had, you know, COVID, as long as they are you know, not showing symptoms, they're not supposed to be in quarantine. Um, they can get the vaccine, and it's probably going to act as is like a booster to their you know earlier response to to COVID. So, um, so yeah, they're definitely um, suggesting that those folks get vaccinated as well.
0: Well, we've already talked about some possible side effects, which seem very mild. Yes, there has been some severe. Um, Reactions, uh, but they are a relatively small percentage. I don't yeah. think you're ever going to create, you'll never create a, do, a drug or a vaccine or whatever that has zero side effects. Definitely. Or because that people zero people are allergic to. It right cuz it going to react <laughs> yeah cuz there's we have such a very a biological variation right yep. um so i am on lamotrigine for my bipolar disorder and uh some people have really it's it's, it's actually one of the best uh drugs for bipolar disorder cuz it has very few side effects um it's, but some people will get the very severe yep. side effects of lim- lamotrigine where mm-hmm. others well like i've been on it for almost 2 years now um, and I have not developed any of knock on wood <laughs> any yeah. of those side yeah. effects, um, but we see that with everything, right? So, right. um, it is people, unless they fall into the, the groups we've already discussed, um, mm-hmm. you know, they should, you should get the vaccine. Um, and when you get it, make sure you hang around a little while in the, you know, wherever you get it to make sure yep. you don't have a reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, so compared to other vaccines, how much safer com- compare, I shouldn't say how much safer, cause that's me making an assumption. Um, mm-hmm. What? How does the safety and side effects of the COVID vaccines compare to the other vaccines we have taken, right? I didn't have the chicken pox vaccine. I didn't know that was a thing until I, my kids were little and I said, why don't my kids have, have, haven't had chickenpox yet? And they're like, there's a vaccine. <laughs> And yeah. I was like, that just shows me, I don't even ask. i just like, just vaccinate these children. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but I've, I've gotten at, at, at 34, all of the required vaccines of me, I've gotten them, right? So yeah. co- in comparison to the vaccines that are, were previously out there, how does mm-hmm. the safety and side effects compare?
1: Yeah, I think, again, um, you know, as safe as we can possibly hope for, um, probably more effective than than we maybe even imagined, you know, at 95% effective um, and almost 100% effective at uh, preventing severe COVID. I believe maybe one or zero people um, in both trials um, ended up with severe COVID. So, as far as the efficacy is, is concerned, we're like, this is, this is fantastic. Um, as far as comparison to other vaccines, I know a lot of people in the past year have loved to compare the coronavirus to the flu.
0: Um, oh my gosh!
1: And that's it. It's extremely <laughs> difficult comparison right. to make because they're two completely different viruses. They are both RNA viruses, um, but they both behave very differently. Um, coronavirus or this uh, this uh, strain, if you will, is is not highly mutagenic. It's it's not mutating. Um, all viruses mutate, but this one doesn't mutate very rapidly. Um, flu does, um, and that's the reason why we do have to have you know flu vaccine every year um, also the reason why you know the efficacy varies from year to year because we're just trying to guess at which strain is going to be um, right. or strains are going to be most common that season based on the southern hemisphere's flu season so um, you know I think as as vaccine technology goes along we're going to be seeing more of these types of you know, either recombinant or nucleic acid type of vaccines because they, they, are, they do tend to be more effective. Um, again, when we're comparing this to the flu vaccine, we have several different types of flu vaccines. Um, we have you know the, the weakened inactivated um, that are made in chicken eggs. We do have recombinant vaccines. Um, and, and again, it's when we're culturing flu vaccines or culturing influenza in chicken eggs, Um, the idea or the thought is that maybe when this virus is, is being cultured, it might adapt a little bit to the chicken egg and actually change itself a little bit from the wild type or what we might experience or come into contact in, you know, in in normal life. Um, so that's another reason why it might be a little bit less effective, you know, aside from the fact that, that the flu mutates or flu A in particular mutates pretty rapidly. Um, you know, so... Again, I people have been comparing all year to to the oh, flu no. so It
0: drives me nuts.
1: <laughs> it's an extremely illogical comparison to make. We have to just kind of take this, you know, this for what it is. And, you know, we could compare it to SARS-CoV, which is probably the closest, you know, coronavirus that we have. And you know, fortunately there's some research there. But again, you know, comparing this vaccine to others, I think we we ended up with something that um, is going to help us get out of this pandemic because really herd immunity is, is our only hope at this
0: point. Yeah. Um, for, for getting to back to some sort of normalcy. I mean, yeah, because uh, we live in a very individualist uh, individualistic society. Uh, so people are like, if it doesn't impact me or the people around me directly, right? I'm young and I'm healthy, so I'll probably be fine then they're not really going to take the steps to prevent it from spreading to other people. Um, And so that's why we are in the position we are right now. Like, that's why we have anti-maskers because they're like, well, if the mask isn't going to protect me 100%, then why should I wear it? Well, because you're going to protect other people from you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But um, the coronavirus has mutated. Um, There Mm isn't mutated, but they do say that the vaccine will work against that because it is that protein, right? It's that protein we're talking about. Right, and so so kind of like what I said with the flu is like the flu,
1: when it mutates, it mutates to the point where it's either functionally or its, it's outer proteins are more different than the original. Um, this one, as far as the mutations are t- concerned, they seem to be very minor changes. That don't change the spike protein enough for it to be unrecognizable um, by those antibodies created by the vaccine. So that is the good news. Um, the other good news is, you know, if for some reason we had a mutant or a variant that was, you know, very different from this one, um, you know, I think those, those vaccines could theoretically be changed fairly easily. To just incorporate a new sequence you know and do will we have to do that in the future where we need boosters that's a good question
0: yeah there's so much so much but nobody's turned into zombies so that's true I keep seeing before the vaccines were like approved. I kept seeing, like, did you know I am legend was based in 2021? And all the memes, yeah. yeah, all the memes, all of them. And I was just like, you know, some of them people were sharing because they thought were funny, other people were very serious about it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, y'all have gone down the rabbit hole, <laughs> right? That it's going to mutate us all, <laughs> right? Um, so, basically, to wrap things up. The, the coronavirus, um, vaccines are very safe. Um, they have very few ingredients. Um, obviously talk to your doctor before getting them, Mm -hmm. um, because it's always good just to be safe and, and, you know, and hopefully, hopefully by the end of this year, children will be able to get it. Um, because we don't know there, we don't know for sure yet, whether you can still, uh, pass COVID after you get the vaccine that's true that's um, true so
1: yeah um so there's a that that idea is called sterilizing immunity and that prevents you from if you come into contact with it from being able to spread it to others even if you don't know you have it um and so there are some vaccines that are very effective that don't do that um so I, i'm not that worried about it i think you know we will learn um there are some uh, some data from the Moderna trial that, that it does um, prevent, you know, asymptomatic transmission to others. So, so hopefully, you know, (laughs) um, once we get more data, we'll be able to determine that. But I I still think that, you know, preventing COVID will keep people out of the hospital, you you know, so
0: yeah I mean, but i i i'm I meant like I'm not gonna go back to like just doing the things until my kids are vaccinated too, because right. I want to make sure like right. everybody is safe um But my husband and I will probably be vaccinated. Well, he'll probably be vaccinated far before I do because his job will vaccinate him. But um, we'll be vaccinated before the kids. And uh, hopefully, kids by the end of the year or beginning of next year will be able to get vaccinated. Yes. Um, So, yeah, uh, hopefully, people will get it. Hopefully, this has helped them understand what it is and how it works. Yeah. And I think once they see,
1: you know, I see a lot of my friends, you know, in the hospitals and the pharmacies, you know, posting pictures of themselves getting the vaccine. So I'm hoping as people are seeing their friends and their, you know, their trusted colleagues getting okay. the vaccine, they'll, it'll inspire, inspire them to be like, okay, well, you know, I want to contribute to herd immunity as well. And, and realize that it's, you know, safe and that, you know, we all need to get it in order to get back to normal.
0: Right. I don't just want to get back to normal, but I want to help my friends who are in healthcare because they are burnt out. They are suffering from from PTSD. And I'm not saying that lightly, like they're going to need some good therapy. Um, Mm -hmm. And some of them are currently in therapy because it's just, they've been going out this for almost a year, like in, in fighting on the front lines. And yeah, there was ebbs and flows, but now we're at the worst that it's ever been. Um, ER. and some hospitals that never reached capacity before reaching, Mm -hmm. um, and I have friends in many different States that are in healthcare field. And they're like, my hospital's at capacity. You come into our ER, you're waiting 12 hours. Like you're not going to be seen anytime soon. So we all need to do our part to slow and possibly eradicate this virus. So we can go back to normal ish. Yeah. Definitely. I think it's, I think it's the way out. (laughs) Well, Doreen, thank you so much for coming on and agreeing to share all of your knowledge with us. You're so welcome, Megan. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review and don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram.
1: Have a great day.